The Circle. Produced by Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. This is tribal sovereignty. It's our children's future. It's what our ancestors and our elders fought for. It's what we continue to fight for today. So that our people may live. This is The Circle brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center. I am your host, Ray Rowland, Community Engagement Coordinator, alongside our Communications Director, Brandon Ekafi. Once again, bringing you all the news, updates, and information from the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center. We are on Keeley Radio twice a week, uh, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. and Fridays at 10 a.m. You can also catch new and past episodes on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, as well as stream or download for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. As always, we want to hear from you, the people for which we serve. So if you have a topic of interest that you want us to discuss or information that you want to hear more of, please reach out to us on Facebook or via email. Uh, You can email myself at raylan.roland at gptchb.org. That's R-A-Y-L-I-N dot Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D at gpt chb.org or give me a call here at 605-721-1922. On today's show, we are airing a webinar that took place this past week in observance of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Honor Every Woman in Great Plains Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection Program are hosting a webinar series featuring various providers from across the Great Plains where they discuss everything from early detection to treatment. Uh, We're going to play a little bit of that episode for you today. To hear the full webinar, go to our Facebook page, or you can also stream them on any of our podcast pages, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean. Uh, Next week, we'll be airing another webinar featuring Amanda Hill, nurse and midwife over at Oyate Health Center, so another informative show centered around breast cancer awareness. Once again, you are listening to The Circle, brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board, right here on Keeley Radio. So my name is Dawn Arkinson Redcloud. I am a member of the Chippewa Cree tribe of Rocky Boy, Montana. I'm also part Blackfeet of Browning, Montana. I am the program coordinator for our breast and cervical cancer early detection program at the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board, also known as Honor Every Woman. And I've been with the health board for about two and a half years now. So I'm going to go ahead and um, we're going to just go around the room to Kelly, Tinka, Julie, Richard, and then Ashley. Those are who I see on my screen. So if you would go next, Kelly. Yes. Good morning, everyone. And thank you for uh, joining us this morning for uh, presentation. And my name is Kelly LeBeau. I'm the program manager for the Honor Every Woman uh, Great Plains Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection Program, and I am a member of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, and I have been with the health board now for a little over five years. So I welcome you all today and look forward to our our presentation that we have in store for you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Tinka Duran. I'm the Director of Prevention Programs here at the health board. Um, I'm Shichangu Lakota, and um, been with the health board for about 14 years. So feels like a lifetime, but not really. It just seems like yesterday and happy to be here. Thank you. 
Good morning, everyone. My name is Julie Hiesacker, and I'm the patient navigator for the Honor Every Woman program. And I am a member of the Ogallala Sioux Tribe, and I've been with the health board. It'll be one year in November. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Richard Musso. Um, I'm Ogallala Lakota, or a member of the Ogallala Sioux Tribe. And uh, I serve as the data manager for the Honor Every Woman program. And I have been at the health board for 11 years uh, within this month. So um, this kind of is my work anniversary month. Um, I'll go ahead and pass it on. Hi, everybody. My name is Ashley Kitchen. Um, I am the external evaluator for the Ever Honor Every Woman program. Um, I am an evaluation specialist at Asset Inc. And we are located in Minneapolis. And so without further ado, um, today we have Dr. Milroy, who is the clinical professor for the University of South Dakota, Sanford School of Medicine. She is also a former surgeon for Yankton Medical Clinic specializing in breast cancer surgery and treatment. She is, we are also very lucky as Honor Every Woman to have her as our medical consultant. And she is also the medical, medical consultant for the All Women Count program, which is a similar program to ours. Um, and they are with the state of South Dakota. Dr. Milroy has also served as the past president of the South Dakota State Medical Association and as a current member, member of the Policy Council. So at this time, Dr. Milroy, I will turn it over to you. You let me know when you're ready for me to start sharing your slides. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me um, to speak today. And I think it is very important for all of us to recognize the importance of October as Breast Cancer Awareness Month and a month to really raise awareness about the importance of screening. Um, so anyway, the topic today will be breast health and the importance of breast uh, screening. And again, I think it is very important for us to, to um, I, and I um, thank you for uh, bringing a, a webinar. And I did see the webinar last week. And so I, I think that is very important to raise our awareness and, and make sure we get all women in for screening. And I think uh, really to begin, I. I thought that um, the audience today might be from maybe a number of backgrounds. And so I thought I'd just start with, you know, we talk about breast cancer, but what exactly is breast cancer? And um, cancer in any kind is usually a cluster of diseases and breast cancer, depending on where it arises in the breast can actually act very differently. I think a lot of times we say cancers have different personalities. And so even uh, a breast cancer in one woman may act very different than a breast cancer in another woman. And basically what it is, is they are abnormal cells who have really sort of gone rogue. They really have uncontrolled growth. Uh, they don't respond to the normal control signals. And so they're able to just um, grow completely wildly. And they also develop the ability to spread to other parts of the body. And that kind of uh, spread is called metastatic disease. And usually cancers are named for the cell location where they started. So abnormal cells that start in the breast are called breast cancer. Um, abnormal cells that become cancerous that arise in the colon are called colon cancer. One point that I noticed in the clinic that was confusing to a lot of people is that if a breast cell becomes abnormal and becomes a, a breast cancer cell, it is called breast cancer. 
But if that breast cancer cell travels to somewhere else, it is still called breast cancer. So if breast cancer moves to the liver or the lung or the bone or other sites, it won't be called liver cancer. It'll still be called breast cancer, but it'll be called metastatic breast cancer to the lung. And I think sometimes that's been confusing to people because they say, oh my gosh, they had breast cancer, now they have lung cancer. When really what they mean is they have breast cancer and now it, it has moved to the, the liver or the lung or the wherever. And uh, it's actually called, it's still called breast cancer. So, okay, next slide. Um, breast cancer, if we exclude skin cancer, is the absolute most common cause of cancer in women. And that is true worldwide, not just here, it is worldwide. And it is second only to lung cancer as a cause of cancer death in women. Uh, the mortality overall has been decreasing in the United States. And we do feel that that is due to earlier diagnosis and improved what's called systemic therapy, which is some of the medications that are taken uh, that travel through your whole body, usually after surgery. And the good news is that there's well over two and a half million breast cancer survivors. And I think that as we educate women, it's important to let them know that the diagnosis of breast cancer is not a death sentence, that many people uh, are able to survive and thrive after breast cancer. So I think that's a message we need to spread. Uh, the American Cancer Society comes up with kind of their, um, I guess their predictions for the year in terms of incidence and mortality. And their, their um, uh, predictions for this year are that they'll in the United States be about 284,000, uh, 200,000 um, uh, total cases with about 281,000 in the United States and 2,650 um, occurring in men. So that there'll be women and men. And I think it's important to note that men also get breast cancer. And so uh, we need to be um, educating men too, that they don't actually need mammograms because their, their rate is uh, much lower than women's, but men do get breast cancer. So if a man notice a, a change or a lump in their breast, it is still very important that they go into their healthcare provider and get that checked. Um, it's um, estimated that in South Dakota, there'll be about 720 new cases and in Nebraska, about 1,580 new cases. When we look at mortality, uh, the estimate for this year will be about 44,130 uh, total deaths uh, with of course the majority in, in women, 43,600 but still a significant number in men. So if you look at the number of men who get uh, breast cancer and you look at the number of men who die from it, really the percent is higher. And I think that that is because oftentimes it is diagnosed later and men are not um, as, uh, as maybe as, as uh, educated or aware of breast cancer as a possibility. And the estimate is that there will be about two, 110 breast cancer deaths in South Dakota and about 240 in Nebraska. Um, I think when we look specifically at cancer in some uh, of the indigenous populations in the United States, that overall the incidence in the American Indian Alaska Native population does have a, a slightly lower incidence than the US population in general. 
But I think that uh, of note, the cancers do occur in younger women and they do tend to be diagnosed at a later stage. Um, I also noted that the incidence rates really vary greatly across the Indian Health Service service areas. So it's hard to make um, you know, an overall broad uh, estimate because the, the um, incidence rates do vary. I think one of the things that is probably the most significant is that while the mortality rate um, across the United States does seem to show significant decreases, much of the mortality rate among indigenous populations has remained relatively stable. And so that's very concerning that uh, many of the uh, indigenous populations are not seeing uh, the decrease in mortality that are seen in some other populations. Okay, uh, next slide. And I think that one of the things that has been helpful is uh, more educational materials really aimed at uh, raising awareness in uh, many of the indigenous populations. And I think indigenous pink is one of the things that has been a great uh, service with um, providing education to people. And this is just one of their infographics um, suggesting that uh, you know, awareness is important. And again, that breast cancer is the second leading cause of death for American Indian women and the importance of mammography. And some of the things that raise risk, what some of the screening guidelines are and what every woman can do to decrease her risk. Okay, next slide. And uh, just by lucky happenstance, this week, actually on October 22nd, is Indigenous Pink uh, Day. Uh, nationwide, it is the Indigenous Pink Day. So that's a day that everyone should get out their t-shirts and wear those with pride on, especially on Thursday, uh, to really raise awareness um, of that. So, okay, next slide, please. Um, so then it, it raises the question of what can we do to actually decrease the morbidity and mortality from breast cancer? Okay, next slide. And so I think it's important to know what some of the risk factors for breast cancer are. And whoops, can you go back one more? There we go. Good, thanks. Um, that really, when they look at who is of um, risk, that... Um, there is no woman that is really risk-free. So when we talk about risk factors, we're trying to decide who has average risk and who has high risk. There's really no woman that has no risk. So all women need to be concerned. All women should be aware. All women should practice breast cancer screening. The number uh, one and two risk factors are number one, just being female puts us at risk. And the older we are, the more risk we have. There are some other risk factors. Certainly, if a person has had one breast cancer, they're much more likely to develop another one. And women who either have started uh, their periods very young, uh, age before 12, and it does seem that more and more women are developing their periods more at a younger and younger age. I, I think we're seeing that. Um, late menopause, if a woman has her menopause after 55, um, that is considered a risk factor. And I think those are risk factors because it just generally increases our body's exposure to estrogen because that's sort of our estrogen window from when we start our periods to when our periods end. Also women who either have late or no childbirth is considered a risk factor. 
uh, postmenopausal hormone usage. Um, some of the women who take um, uh, hormones such as Premarin after um, menopause are considered to be at increased risk. So I think currently, certainly women do have symptoms, but uh, the thought is we would like to um, use, if it's necessary to use a, a hormone, to take it for the shortest amount of time and uh, probably the lowest dose possible to kind of sometimes get people over that menopause hump, which can be kind of miserable for many people, uh, but really limit our exposure to that postmenopausal hormone. Alcohol use has been shown to be a risk factor for the development of breast cancer. So really limiting, limiting or not drinking alcohol is uh, an important way to decrease our risk. Uh, radiation to the chest um, as part of a treatment during adolescence or young adults will raise the risk. Another one is women who are overweight, especially after menopause, uh, raise the risk. So in general, a good healthy lifestyle with healthy exercise, um, healthy diet, and um, really avoiding alcohol, avoiding tobacco, um, and certainly avoiding getting overweight, especially menopause is a good way to, for many cancers, but especially breast cancer, decrease our risk. Uh, some women have had previous breast biopsies that do show abnormal changes, although they're cancer, but they're suspicious or maybe precancers. And so they um, are felt to have increased risk also. And once again, you are listening to The Circle brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center right here on Keeley Radio. COVID-19 vaccines are currently available across the Great Plains area. These vaccines are safe and effective tools for stopping the spread of COVID-19. The vaccines work by giving our immune systems instructions for how to fight off infections. They do not contain the virus that causes COVID-19. Short-term side effects like soreness at the injection site, fever, headache, muscle pain, or fatigue are common after receiving the vaccine. Millions of people around the world, including thousands of native health workers and elders, have been vaccinated safely. Vaccines are the safest way to protect our relatives during this ongoing pandemic. The more people get the vaccine, the more lives we can save in our communities. Call your health care provider or tribal health department to learn more about when and where you can receive your vaccine. Or go to gptchb.org for more information. This message was brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board, so that the people may live. And then uh, certainly another risk factor is family history. I think if you ask the general population what is a risk factor for breast cancer, most people will actually say family history when indeed it is much more likely to be female sex and, um, and uh, increased age. And family history is important to ask a question about what kind of family history that if you have uh, first degree relatives, which would be mother, sister, daughter, so close relatives, um, multiple generations. If you see it's been in a grandmother and a sister and a daughter, uh, much more likely to have a genetic basis. Also um, families who carry ovarian cancer, male breast cancers, young onset cancers, bilateral breast cancers, tri triple negative breast cancers, or a women of Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry have a marked uh, increased risk of actually carrying a breast cancer gene. And if those, if those signs and, and histories are there, 
it's probably very wise to uh, refer that person to a genetic counselor who can do a full family tree and develop a, um, a, what the risk is and possibly uh, proceed then with genetic testing. Okay, uh, next slide, please. Um, the risk assessment, it's felt that in the general population, uh, the risk of breast cancer is about 12% and the ovarian cancer risk is about one to 3%. We do find that in the population, about five to 10% of people do carry uh, one of the breast cancer genes. And uh, the most common ones are BARCA1 and 2, but there are many, many others. So it isn't just the two. And there are multiple uh, possible mutations at the BRCA1 or 2 uh, spots on the chromosome. So there's it's a little more complicated than just two breast cancer genes, which is why it's very nice to have a genetic counselor uh, as part of the team working on this. And uh, the most common ones, the BRCA1 and 2, are what are called autosomal dominant. And that means that they're not sex linked. So that means that men and women both can carry uh, the gene. And if you have the gene, there's about a 50-50 chance that you will pass it on to your children. And uh, if you have a BRCA1, it raises the breast cancer risk to 72%. So you can see very marked increase. And the ovarian cancer risk about 40%. If you carry the BRCA2 gene, again, it's an autosomal dominant. So men and women, women can carry it alike. Um, the breast cancer risk goes to about 69% and the ovarian cancer risk to 26%. It also can carry the risk of other cancers such as pancreas, prostate, fallopian tube, and uh, peritoneal. So it's definitely important to find women who are, uh, women and men who are carriers uh, so that they can be evaluated and their family will be aware of that increase, that marked increased risk. So next slide, please. Um, some of the risk factors, again, we'll just review that the increased age and female sex are the main risk factors. And what is true is that the majority of women diagnosed with breast cancer don't have any other identifiable risk factors. So a lot of times um, I would hear in the clinic, people would say, well, gosh, do you think I need a mammogram? There's no one in my family with breast cancer. Well, actually, the majority of women diagnosed don't have uh, family history, probably only 15 to 20% of women really do have a family history. So many women come in and they just say, hey, I don't have any risk factors, but they still develop breast cancer and they're female and maybe they're getting older. Although some young women get it too. And I've often said, breast cancer is kind of capricious. It doesn't follow the rules and it doesn't, hasn't read the book, I guess. So um, I think uh, all women are at risk and need to be aware. And I think it's important to have that risk assessment and a breast screening conversation with your healthcare provider. I think a lot of women are not aware of their own personal risk. Uh, they may think it's very high when really it's average. And maybe someone thinks it's average when perhaps they are at high risk. So I think having that conversation with your healthcare provider is very important. But to remember that all women do carry some risk of breast cancer. Okay, next slide, please. Um, and I think that the goals of cancer screening in general are certainly education. It's good that we educate uh, all people, men and women, that a healthy lifestyle can just decrease some of the risk factors. 
And I think it's important to educate uh, women as to what the breast cancer signs and symptoms are so that they are aware and they can recognize if there are any changes and that they can do a prompt reporting of those changes to their healthcare provider so that they can start treatment early. Uh, prevention is good and that's certainly uh, the goal of many screenings is to find precancerous abnormal cells and actually treat them before they become cancer. And that is the goal. If you find precancer lesions in breast cancer screening, you can remove that spot before it's a cancer. And that is true also in colorectal, uh, cervical, skin cancer. Uh, hopefully you can uh, find things and remove them before the, the person has to deal with the diagnosis of a full-fledged cancer. Um, early detection, on the other hand, can diagnose cancer at a very early stage. And most early cancers have no signs and no symptoms. So unless a person went through screening, they would have absolutely no idea that they actually had a small cancer. By finding a cancer small, you can certainly improve the outcome and decrease the mortality. You can often increase uh, the treatment options too, and maybe have a, a less drastic uh, surgery or maybe a shorter systemic therapy uh, based on a very early diagnosis. And this can be um, uh, certainly found in breast cancer screening, cervical cancer screening, colorectal screening. Lung cancer screening is one that I think hasn't been around as long, but is very important. And I think many uh, patients and providers aren't really aware of that, but that is also of use uh, for people who have had a significant smoking history. Uh, skin cancer screening is important to remove, uh, you know, to be aware of uh, some of the changes on our skin. Okay, next slide, please. And so I think it is important that we, uh, as part of any program, uh, really educate our patients as to what are some of the signs. If, we, if they start noticing a thickness, if they notice a change in the size, if they notice a change in the nipple, they have some nipple discharge, if they develop some sores or um, their skin gets thickened and look like an orange peel, or if they would um, start to have redness, um, these are all important and um, they should be aware, uh, women should be aware of what their breasts look like and feel like, and um, be sure to go in and get that checked if they notice any changes. And women actually uh, get quite good at being aware of what's going um, on in their breast. I, I think that many screening uh, recommendations have dropped kind of the old formal breast self-exam where you'd go and you'd get a rolled up towel and lay down and do all kinds of contortions that most women didn't do anyway. But I think just being very aware, taking a look in the mirror as you get ready for your bath or shower, in your bath or shower when you're nice and wet and soapy, just get familiar with what is normal for you and then certainly if you notice any changes, it's important to go in and get that checked. Many times it will be okay, but it is uh, very important to go and get it checked. Okay, next slide, please. And uh, breast cancer, I think it's uh, some of the um, importance in screening is to discuss this with your healthcare provider uh, so that you do the risk assessment. So you decide together what age is best to start screening? Maybe the best method to use? Do you need additional uh, screening tools? Um, how often should you have your screenings? 
It's important then to also do your history and physical exam. Um, a screening mammogram is done only if the history and physical are negative. You don't have any complaints. There's no signs. However, if you are having noticing changes, if you have some concerns, then it's actually called a diagnostic mammogram. And that's sometimes confusing to people. So a screening is if you have absolutely no symptoms. If you're having problems, it's a diagnostic mammogram. And they may add extra views. Uh, they may add extra tests, but it's a little different mammogram. But when we look at uh, breast cancer screening, we do need to develop more of an individualized screening plan. It's not quite as knee-jerk as it used to be. Um, go ahead, next slide. And I think when we talk, we need to recognize uh, and admit to our patients that there is certainly some controversy regarding some of the screening recommendations. If you go and look them up, you'll find that the American Cancer Society has theirs. The um, uh, uh, Society of Breast Surgeons has theirs. Some of the internal medicine, family medicine, um, the um, uh, number of the task forces have um, uh, different recommendations. And that can be very confusing to patients because they look and say, well, gosh, this one says this, that one says that, what should I do? And so I think it's good to sit down with your provider and look at some of the pros and the cons and then decide what you as an individual are most comfortable with. And some of the pros certainly are early detection. It has been shown that mammography definitely can decrease mortality. If, thing, if, if cancers are diagnosed early, it can increase your treatment options. Some of the downsides are sometimes recalls are necessary. necessary. And a recall is when you go in and have your mammogram and you get that letter that says, can you come back and have some extra views? A lot of women say, oh my gosh, I, I have breast cancer. When in reality, maybe the uh, radiologist just wants a little better look and may not turn out bad at all. But probably about 10% of people do get that kind of recall. And uh, certainly there's anxiety and expense with that. And so the goal of mammography certainly is to decrease that recall number. And um, out of those people who are recalled, probably about one to 2% go ahead and have a biopsy. And of those about a third do diagnose cancer. Uh, there are some false positives and false negatives, which means you know, sometimes they see a spot and you have to have a biopsy and it turns out okay. And on the other hand, sometimes a mammogram just doesn't see a cancer when it's there. And I think the important thing to remember is that mammography is not perfect. Uh, it is not 100%. And so if a person has a complaint, if they have a lump and the mammogram's negative, that does not mean no cancer, that that still needs to be investigated and diagnosed and worked up. So I think it, if that's uh, an important thing for all of us to remember is, in fact, if you remember uh, a big thing uh, a month or a year from now, it is a negative mammogram does not mean no cancer. So if there's a problem or a physical finding, it still needs to be investigated. So, okay, go ahead and there. I, I think one of the important graphs, I got this from the American Cancer Society and it shows if you look at that kind of gray line that goes across the middle there, you can see that the breast cancer mortality rate was almost flat line from about 1930 all the way up to about 1990. 
And you think about medicine um, in 1930 and think about medicine in 1990, and you say, oh my gosh, there were so many changes. Why did the breast cancer rate stay absolutely flat? Well, what happened in probably the mid 80s or so is that early diagnosis and mammography really came about. And you can see what has happened with that gray line since then in that that has definitely gone down. Look at that, that very dramatic decrease as you follow that gray line down. And I think that that is uh, really our proof that early diagnosis and improved uh, systemic therapy have definitely made an impact on breast cancer mortality. Of something of, of sideline is if you look at that lung cancer death rate, you can see that probably in the 1930s and so, uh, it was extremely low in women. Women just didn't smoke. But as people got into say the 1960s and it was you know, kind of uh, all these Virginia Slims and all this targeting to have women smoke, as women smoked, look what happened to that uh, lung cancer death rate. It just started to shoot up and look just like a man's. But fortunately, as we've had more tobacco education, more uh, people quitting smoking, we are finally seeing that lung cancer rate start to go down. So I think these are the statistics that say, you know, a lot of our education and screening programs uh, are working. We are seeing a good positive effect from them. So, so if people say, hey, do I really need a mammogram? My answer is always yes. <laughs> so it is important to do screening. All right. So once again, this is The Circle brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center. You've been listening to the webinar series brought to you by Honor Every Woman and the Great Plains Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection Program. They'll be hosting those uh webinar series throughout the month. You can catch the full episode with Dr. Milroy and others on our Facebook page, or you can go to our podcast pages at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. Uh, we are here twice a week on Keeley Radio, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. and Fridays at 10.30 a.m. with The Circle, or you can stream and download all of our past episodes for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. So for myself and Brandon, we thank you for joining us here on Keeley Radio, the voice of the Lakota Nation. <laughs>